Raw Truth podcasts may contain explicit, sensitive, and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or other medical professional. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Women's lives follow many paths, twists and turns, and choices never planned nor expected. In life, temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness can lead a good person to make a choice that they can't take back. When facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. In this podcast, you will hear stories from women who made the choice to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, stories of female infidelity. An anonymous and no-judgment podcast created and hosted by me, Rebecca Adams. I was an unfaithful wife. You are not alone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Hope everybody's doing well. Here is our second episode of the new year, and this is actually a two-parter, so part one now and the second one is due to stream on February 4th. Um, A couple of things. So I released last week um, a Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams about waxing, shaving, and typically that goes just on Let's Ponder, but the Marine and I had such a blast doing the end with reading people's comments and the bloopers and everything that I had to release it for everybody. So I laughed so hard when I'd listen to that and the things that he would say. Um, and typically bloopers are done only for Patreon subscribers for the Patreon um, exclusive stories. So y'all had a little bit of a taste. But anyway, um, we had a great time making that episode and uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, but if you're interested in more of those, if you can subscribe wherever you listen, it's Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, and it's me, and we talk about all sorts of funky things, like uh, how do you keep somebody from cheating on you, a fair recovery, hall pass, uh, why are women drawn to bad boys, befriending a couple and finding out that they're swingers and they want you to get involved, you know, things like that. And if you have suggestions or ideas, you can always email me. I'd love to hear. So at this point in time, let's go ahead and get started with today's story. Stacy, the pen pal affair, part one. Hello, I've been listening to your podcast for about six months. Thank you for taking the time to put each podcast together. Here is my story. I didn't have a very happy childhood. I can remember from the earliest moments my mom and my dad fighting. Both of them came from abusive homes and brought unresolved traumas into their marriage. According to my mom, quote, you didn't air your business and you didn't question the generation before you, end quote. By the time my mom finally left my dad, I was three. She remarried by the time I was five. It would have been sooner, but a serious accident postponed the wedding. I don't know why I had a particular interest in sexual things at an early age, but I remember being four years old and asking the neighbor boy to lift my shirt and kiss me all over. 
It lasted until we got caught by some teenage boy sent to check on me. I got in a lot of trouble, but it wasn't enough to satiate my curiosity or the desire to be loved. Every year in grade school, middle school, and high school, I had a boyfriend with the exception of two years. They weren't consecutive years either. I was desperate to be loved. I would cling to the boys in a way that I still don't understand. Maybe I looked at them to be my savior. Maybe I was starved for love. My first real boyfriend was at 15. I lived in a rural area of North Carolina at the time. I saw Alan as the man of my dreams. He was kind to me even though I was a hot mess of childhood traumas and wounds. I put him through a lot. But I believe in our naive teenage ways we did love each other. We dated for almost a year before I gave him my virginity. I never regretted that decision. He was my first love and I was his. Eventually, my parents found out I was sexually active. How embarrassing it was to be told on by the pastor and then how frightened I was when my parents threatened to send Alan to prison for statutory rape. I was separated from Alan until I ran away from home three days after I turned 17. I moved in with Alan at his parents' house. My mom was so desperate to get me back that she involved the police and was about to take me to court. In the end, I went back home. You see, I was homeschooled at the time, and my mom was my principal. She refused to sign any paperwork. I didn't want to be a high school dropout. I needed her signature to graduate. It took her three months, but I finally was pulled back into the toxic family environment called home. That next year, Alan and I were still dating and eventually engaged. He went off to college. I was left behind. I got a new job and worked as a cashier. There were three specific men that I remember teasing at work that year. One of them was a cop. Nothing ever came of the relationship, except for a fictitious ego boost and a couple of stolen kisses. The following spring in 2001, I turned 18, graduated, and headed off to college myself. It didn't take long before I ended my relationship with Alan. Honestly, we never would have made it. Two different people going two different directions. No worries, I found a new boyfriend within two weeks. He lasted until he couldn't handle my sexual nature. Two years later, I was dating Jeff, who would eventually become my husband. We met in Spanish class. He was very sheltered and from a very conservative family, very opposite of my family home. He asked me if I needed help with my Spanish homework. I asked him if he wanted to go on a date to distract me from being dumped. It was during my time with Jeff that I learned the power of sex to mask my insecurities with my body and my personality. Fast forward through almost two years of unresolved childhood trauma in my own life, many breakups, and an engagement with Jeff, I broke up with him too. 
Two months later, I was gaslighting Danny. I had an emotional attachment to him before I dumped Jeff. I always saw this as cheating on Jeff. Once I got rid of Jeff, Danny gave me some of the best sex I'd ever had. But that was about all he was good for. I ended up in a deep depression with him. He, also, brought out an ugly, angry side in me that I didn't know existed. I keyed his car. I actually told him I was going to do it, walked outside, and put a nice long key mark down the side of his car. When I came back inside, I gently put the paint curls in his hand. Around Christmas, right before my college graduation, he teased me with a CD of what I thought had the only copies of naked photos of me. I pushed him up against the wall trying to grab the CD. He went to the cops saying I assaulted him. A couple of weeks later, I moved into a new location on campus and he stalked me until the police were involved again. Eventually, he backed off. But that final semester was stressful, wondering if Danny would cause any more damage to my life or reputation. That final semester, I found myself dating a guy online about 800 miles away from me. We finally met for Valentine's Day and I convinced him to touch me. He was reluctant, but he gave in to me. We met again in March of 2005. This time I convinced him to have sex with me. I will never forget what he said afterwards. That's it? His words wounded me in a way that I could never forget. All my life I used my sexuality to make myself feel better. I couldn't get much lower than this. It didn't take long to convince this online guy to break up with me, so I wasn't cheating on him when I reached out to Jeff. I apologized for being a terrible girlfriend in the past. After one date, he said, We have too much history. Either we are getting married or this is over. Okay. And that's how our new life started. I thought I was in love with Jeff at the time. I was moving far away from the big pool of available bachelors. I knew he would take care of me and my future children. It sounded like a good idea. I never did have the feeling that he was the one. I graduated and I moved to Michigan. Shortly after, Jeff followed me and we were married in October of 2005. It wasn't an easy first year. My job was demanding and caused me to work day and into the night. Jeff struggled to find work. He stayed home for the most part. I worked across the street from our house. I came home stressed and tried to numb myself with food. Jeff numbed his insecurities with hours on video games and porn because I was unwilling to sleep with him. I'm not exactly sure what went wrong the day I got married, but this change in me from wild girl to good girl went on for many years. It took 11 years before a major shift would occur. The best that I can come up with is that I was so concerned with being a perfectionist and a good Christian girl that I couldn't handle the idea of people thinking we had sex. 
For the first time, my need to be a good girl ruled my brain. Here, Jeff thought that we could now have unlimited sex because we were no longer having sex outside of marriage. I just shut down. The few times that I did have sex with him, I couldn't help but envision Danny. It also didn't help that in our first year of marriage, Jeff had to move to Chicago to find work. I was left alone for four months. By the time we reunited, things were okay-ish. I struggled being a homemaker and working. I struggled even more with my weight. I got pregnant in 2007 and so did Jeff's stepmom. I lost my baby. A couple of months later on the very same day, I found out my husband was addicted to porn and his stepmom lost her baby too. It was a nightmare of a day. I was beside myself. My father-in-law called and asked us to watch his adopted kids while he took his wife to the hospital. Lots of tears were shed that night between Jeff and I. He promised porn would never be an issue again. He was a changed man. Between 2008 and 2014, we had four children and bought a foreclosed house. We were busy to say the least. Both of us were active in our church. As far as I knew, the porn issue was no longer a problem, but I struggled with my weight. At one point, I lost 87 pounds, but most of the time I was somewhere between 20 to 80 pounds overweight. I still wasn't very sexual. I tried to be a good sport about it. I never cheated on my husband. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't look at men in the eyes if I was alone with a man. Anyone I thought I could fall for, I told Jeff about. He thought it was cute. In 2017, my world came crashing down around me. Unfortunately, it'll be a day I'd never forget. April Fool's Day. I felt like I was made a fool that day. We had each other's passwords for everything. I grabbed Jeff's phone while he slept because I was bored. I found something in his YouTube history. It wasn't exactly porn, but it was related. I got up and showered and started getting ready for church. The whole time I told myself that I'm stupid. It was probably a mistake. When I got out of the shower, I asked. At first, he denied that he was back into porn, but I asked him again. He broke wide open and started telling me everything. In his defense, he also told me that I was very vanilla and pointed out everything he hated about my body. I was fat. He didn't like the way my stomach went over my pants, etc. In short, he just wasn't attracted to me. I was absolutely devastated. Not only did I feel betrayed, my self-image was disintegrated. How could he say I was vanilla? Didn't he remember the girl I was in college? I spiraled out of control. There were parts of me that seriously contemplated suicide. Other parts of me wore the skimpiest clothes I had to mow the grass just to get attention. And if I could have divorced him, I would have. We were in debt. I had nowhere to go. I didn't have a job. It was bad. 
The only other option was to move back in with my parents. That would have been incredibly toxic, so I stayed. Now, it is important to note that for some reason, this moment shattered that glass ceiling on my good girl sexuality. I was no longer concerned with what other people might think. I actually attempted to boost my ego by being wild in bed again. This coping mechanism didn't work like it used to. The next four years were the ugliest of my life. I am not proud of the person I was. We couldn't afford therapy, and Jeff really didn't want to go anyway. It was so unfair that he got to walk around with a guilt-free conscience, and I had to carry the burden of betrayal and rejection. I developed a six-week cycle. I spent two weeks being depressed and laying in bed, followed by two weeks of doing everything I could to fix or accomplish what I didn't do for two weeks while I had laid in bed. I'm embarrassed to admit that my kids got the brunt of my frustration and anger because they didn't do my job for me. They didn't tidy up after themselves. They were still so little. And then I would spend two weeks exhausted, burned out, and slipping. This cycle repeated over and over. It was almost clockwork. I didn't make life easy for Jeff either. He decided he was going to pray to find me attractive again, and he wanted to make the marriage work. I bounced between forgiveness and making him suffer the consequences. I didn't want to be this bitter person, but I couldn't find my way out either. I tried to find church-related volunteer activities, but nothing seemed to stick. Nothing was a good fit. It got so bad that at one point I said if things keep getting worse, I will yet find another thing to volunteer for. I did, too. That's when I decided to be a pen pal with Chris. I never met my pen pal before I decided to write him. We had mutual friends. His adopted family went to church with me. One of Chris's letters was shared with the church group and I thought, I want someone to pray over me like that. Growing up in the Christian culture, I could easily spot that his Christian walk was sincere. I carried around his address for two years. I never wrote him though because I didn't know what to say. You see, Chris was and is in prison for murder. Originally, my intention was pure. None of the other volunteer activities panned out. Chris was lonely and I had the time. I could fill the void. Once I put pen to paper, I wrote him seven pages. I told him all about my husband's, kids, and our off-grid life. He wrote back saying that I was fascinating. That's all it took. The letters between us flew back and forth. We were probably sending four letters a week. What I loved about him was that he was genuinely interested in me and asked thought-provoking questions. We had a lot in common. Jeff read some of the letters. But eventually, I started hiding most of them from Jeff.
On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. But I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when he uncovered the truth. I remember when she went to Amsterdam for a weekend with her two school friends for a reunion. On her return, we had sex the next day, and I felt a stinging sensation down below. This went on for a few days, and I decided to go to the hospital. It turns out I had contracted chlamydia. I definitely knew I hadn't been with anyone else, so it must have been from her. I told the nurse this, and she said, I think you need to talk to your wife. I confronted her, and she swore she hadn't had sex with anyone else. She said she might have gotten it from one of her friends as they shared a towel in the hotel. I was so naive to believe this. She swore she didn't know where it came from. I just didn't know what to believe, but I think it was either from Bill or someone else she had met and had unprotected sex with yet again in Amsterdam. To hear exclusive stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship, have early access to regular episodes ad-free and more extras, subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as only $4 a month. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of Raw Truth Podcasts is truly appreciated. When you visit the website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com, you will find the story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon for exclusive episodes, and to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my other podcast, Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, where taboo topics are discussed. To submit your female infidelity story, share feedback, or have general questions about the show, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. <laughs>